Welcome to the Deconstructed Woman Podcast, a podcast about breaking down barriers between women, exploring and sharing perspectives of each individual woman's experience, and discovering what we have in common and what makes us different. Hosted by Elisa Marie and Joji. Welcome back to the next episode of the Deconstructed Woman Podcast. So today, Joji and I wanted to talk about how children and having children in your marriage and relationship, how that changes over time and what that kind of looks like. So we were looking at some research on uh, satisfaction levels and certain factors that play into why people may have kind of a dip in their satisfaction or quality of their relationship with their partner after having children. We wanted to talk about why that is, what are some of the things that contribute to it, and then kind of put in, as we usually do, our own experiences and two cents of what that kind of looks like and kind of going from there. So I was recently reading um, Take Charge of Your Fertility, uh, and as I was reading through the book, uh, they made note that there is a couple of factors that play into why, um, you know, a, a relationship may dip in satisfaction in things like quality of sleep. And, uh, you know, if somebody is dealing with, for instance, postpartum depression or anxiety, how that affects the relationship in general. Uh, but there's also, you know, financial constraints, things that you have to think about that you didn't have to think about before, as well as just the change in your lifestyle from before you were parents. So all of these things can um, have an impact. And so, again, Joji, I know that you had a research article, and I'm so I'll let you kind of cite that and let us know what you saw in the research, and then we'll kind of go from there. Okay. Uh, so this article, there were two articles. This is the one I'm going to mention right now is uh, not the research article per se, but it's an article that was in the magazine called Very Well Mind, and it's a section on relationships. And the article title is Coping with the Stress Children Add to a Marriage by Dr. Elizabeth Scott, who's a PhD. This was published um, January of 2023. And basically what this article says is that uh, some of the problems that couples face when they after they've had children are uh, conflicts over parenting, difficulty spending time with one another, fatigue and lack of sleep that Alyssa just talked about financial challenges that Alyssa also mentioned, intimacy issues, lack of support, no alone time, and of course, the stress that's caused by trying to juggle the kids, work, relationships, and other obligations, I would imagine social obligations um, that pop up on your calendar. So most of us who I think that listen and, and are active on this podcast um, are individuals that have children. And so women um, and they're also women who typically, uh, most of our listeners work outside the home as well. And so when we talk about juggling all these different things, this is nothing that is going to be a surprise to most of our listeners. As one can imagine, the idea of um, having uh, a marriage and having children and working outside the home and obligations and the additional money that um, is um required to have children and daycare and multiple children all clearly adds to the pressure cooker kind of uh, scenario that a couple will find themselves in. And I think that, you know, looking back on, on my experience, 
for me and my um, ex-husband, you know, even the discussion of children was stressful. Originally, when we were um, prior to being married, we had talked about waiting five years to have children. And then once we got married, I actually was the one who wanted to um, start faster than the five years. Five years all of a sudden seemed really long to me. And I thought, oh, you know, I think I'd like to do this a little bit faster. I do think in hindsight now that, um, you know, I had moved from my hometown to a new city. I didn't have very many friends here. I was in a new job. And I think that in my mind, having children would be something that would um, maybe accelerate sort of the settling down period for me, being in a new area and things like that. Obviously, um, as someone who had gone through a master's in social work, I knew that children were not going to necessarily settle things, but probably disorient it and create some destabilization. But I forged ahead with this uh, campaign to move the time on our pregnancy. And um, as luck would have it, I got pregnant very, very quickly, and we sort of slid into that phase right away. And so for me, I will say that the campaign to, to want to get pregnant was something that probably kicked off some of the stress around having to influence your partner on moving up the timetable on that. Um, and so for us, it was a little bit more of that negotiation, which I can also imagine would be with families who either, couples who either have a hard time getting pregnant or have fertility issues that they're now looking at other methods of pregnancy where you sort of have to it's almost like a transactional kind of a thing. How do you get this done? How do you accomplish the outcome that you want? And so I think that those are very similar scenarios to what I was talking about, maybe a different topic. But I do think that unless uh, it's sort of a, um, you know, you're open to it and letting things happen by chance and then you get pregnant and it's a wonderful thing. And I think as I was talking to Alyssa before we started, um, you know, I think that uh, when you get pregnant, pregnancy is such a joyful event that not only do you as you, and your partner typically are very happy about it, your family is very excited about it, you know, your social situation, your social contacts are usually pretty excited for you as well. And so I think that nothing to take away from the joy of actually finding out you're pregnant and really looking forward and nesting into this new phase of your life. I definitely think that... Um, it starts off in a very, very good place, um, and, you know, except for if you have scenarios like I had mentioned. What do you think, Alyssa? What, are, what is your take on um, how that unfolded for you or in general with the people you know? I think that the, I mean, you know, for me and my husband, it kind of just, it kind of just took its course. Like we, you know, had been together for a couple of years. We got married. We were married for a couple of years. Um, so we didn't have any specific timeline. We didn't have any specific plans. Um, I I don't think we even talked about like how many kids we wanted to have or what that would look like. We just kind of went with the flow of things. Um, and so I think it was about four years into our marriage that we got pregnant with our first child. Um, but I, I I think like this whole topic really resonates with me because I just had my fourth child. And um I think that there's a lot of discussion. So I wanted to go back for a minute because I think there's a lot of discussion about the stress and what the changes that happen after you have 
that first child or, you know, if it's your only child or whatever the circumstances are for each family. But I think that it's mainly talking about like the transition, like it's a transition from you as a couple to now you as parents. And so I think that there are a lot of changes that inherently occur then. And then, you know, as life progresses, what that looks like kind of down the line. So I think that for us, there was there was just a constant transition. So there's transitions to parenthood and then transitions to two kids, then three, then four. And I think each of those were very different and very challenging for different reasons. Um, But I, I think that the main one was kind of that for me, the transition for having our first child was letting go of our previous life, you know, and it's funny because a lot of times I think to myself, what did we do in those four years? I have no idea, but I thought I was busy. I thought I had my hands full and then we threw a child in the mix and I was like, we, we could have done whatever we wanted during those four years. Like it was, it was just about us. It was just about us as a couple. Like we could go out for dinner. We could go to the movies. We could do whatever we wanted without any consideration of anybody else. I think that that looked very different very early on, but it's one of those things that, um, you know, again, it's a transition. And so each transition is a little bit different each time, but I think that they collectively create your life for what it's going to be. And I, I guess that's that was the main point I was going to try to get at. And the article speaks a little bit more to that issue as well to say that it's not marriage is not the common denominator here. So the article goes into a little bit to say, okay, so even for unmarried couples, it's the introduction of having a child that then adds the, um, you know, the the stress. And of course, if you think about it, it's a third variable that's getting coming into a couple relationship, whether you're married or unmarried. So now you have to exactly what you're talking about. I think a lot of us think to ourselves, what did we do with all this time before we had a child, right? Then you have a child and your whole life now becomes centered about around this, this little being that wholly depends on you for survival and care. Mm -hmm. And, and both parts of the couple become so entrenched in caring for this baby that sometimes they ignored their own needs or they made ignore the needs of the union. And so everything becomes so focused. And as we all know, you know, I said this to my daughter-in-law once after her like baby shower for her first child was enjoy this time because once the baby comes, it's almost like you stop existing. And I think any woman who's had a baby understands what I'm talking about. Like your life becomes eclipsed by this baby. So, yeah, I think that it's definitely one of those things where you're you do lose kind of. Well, I I, I was going to say, like, you kind of lose a part of you or lose your identity. But in some ways you gain a new perspective or a new identity in, in a lot of ways, too. So I think that it's a little bit of both um, where you shift from kind of that self-centered kind of. And again, I'm not saying like people who don't have children are are completely self-centered, but I'm saying like you're you're focused on you. And now all of a sudden, like you were saying, now you have this other person you have to focus on you. And they're completely dependent on you, at least for the first couple of years to do everything. And so then your your routines and your schedules all kind of circulate around that and what you could do before you can't. But that's not to say that it's not 
uh, a great experience as well. I mean, if if it wasn't, I probably wouldn't have four kids. But um, again, I think that there's a lot of of changes with that. And I want to go back. So, you know, some of the discussion was about like sleep deprivation. And I think that that is definitely part of it, though. I found that that gets easier with time. Um, at least like each progressive child I've had, like the sleep, I knew what to anticipate. I knew that I wasn't going to get as much sleep. I knew to be able to say, okay, I'm not going to sleep very well for these first couple of months and that's okay. Um, so I think initially it was very jarring, but, uh, you know, you kind of accept that this is a part of, uh, having a child. So I think that that part got easier. The financial constraints, I think that, um, you know, when we're talking about that, they usually, most articles that I read overestimate how much children actually cost. And I think there's a lot of ways to offset that too. So I, I think, again, if we're talking about like, how do you counter these things? You know, uh, sometimes that's when one one parent stays home um, to kind of over uh overcome the financial burden of children um obviously everybody's situation is different if you're a single parent um or if you both can't neither of you can stay home then there are child care costs but those go down over time because uh, i know when my husband just recently returned to work he was like oh my gosh most of my paycheck's going to child care i said well you know that's only going to go down i mean once they get into school it's much cheaper uh so you know, there's different things to look at um, with that. And I, I'm trying to think of like some of the other factors, but I think that the, the relationship, the the crux of this, why is the satisfaction level going down? I think some of that is because there is this shift from the other person, your partner to the child. And I think that that's a lot of times what um, what I see is like the biggest struggle is that all of a sudden, now you're so hyper focused on the the baby um, that turns into a toddler, that turns into you know a preschooler, that all of a sudden you stop focusing on your relationship, and so it's about turning and pivoting back and saying, "Wait, there's this other person. Let me check in with them. Let me ch- make sure that our relationship is still going in the direction that we want it to, and we're both still on the same page." Um, and and that's that's really where it can go. Yeah, the one thing that you said that I want to um, add to is that's reflected in both the articles, and I will cite the other uh, research articles soon, is that part of the, the dilemma is, is that because, and we've talked about this before, because the female is more responsible and just naturally tied to childcare because of nursing or the sleep deprivation related to nursing, that a lot of the childcare tasks end up on the woman's plate. And there are ways that the, the man can help out, but just naturally a lot of it falls on the woman. And the woman's stress in relation to those first couple of months is also heightened. And so then that also adds into the relationship between the, the couple. And one of the other factors, I know you were searching for those factors, you know, has to do with like lack of support or also intimacy with a couple. Naturally, as you have children and there's a lot more things going on with younger kids, it is hard to carve out time for yourself as a couple. And best practice, of course, is to be able to have a date night or to try not to change the intimacy too much between a couple so that the children are not a scapegoat for you know anything that is changing in the relationship. 
So this article also speaks to the fact that regardless of socioeconomic level or with uh, what culture you belong to, this is just a natural development in the evolution of a family. And I think we all can agree to that. I don't think there's a culture out there that, you know, wouldn't, that I can think of that uh, children do not, because of the amount of work that every member of the family adds to the overall unit, um, it's not limited to one type of family or another type of family. Um, it's just, I think, um, obviously, the, the larger families you have, sometimes the older kids can help with the younger children. But I think that period of the first three to six months of a new baby in the family is going to be universally difficult for, you know, every every type of um, family unit. And so I do think that those are all, you know, make a lot of sense in terms of, you know, what do we do? And so I do think that one of the things that we've talked about um, also is the importance of self-care. And that's what this article really ends on is talking about how important self-care is, self-care as a couple and self-care as individuals within that couple. And I think that, um, Alyssa, you and your your husband are very good at this. So um, can you talk a little bit about what you guys have done or how you guys carve out some time for each other and um, for you individually? And I think that you have work to do on this angle and your husband is probably better at it than you are, but I think you've talked about it before. So I think there are some good ideas that he utilizes to find some balance. Yeah, I think I, so we both kind of have our things and we're starting to kind of Again, we just had our, our fourth child here uh, just three months ago. So uh, it's a matter of kind of finding that rhythm. But so my husband, um, he makes working out a priority for him. Um, and logistically, I am working. We just got ourselves a rowing machine yesterday. So I was like, yes, now <laughs> like I'm just going to build a gym in our home because that seems to be the best way for me to be able to exercise because one of us, because our children are so small, one of us has to be at home at all times um, when the kids are here. And so it was like, okay, well, let's get, you know, some equipment in here so that I could potentially work out in the morning while he's out for his run. Um, so we're kind of edging towards, you know, being able to both have that. But outside of that, we both make time um, to spend with friends and really uh, make sure that we have uh, like us time. And so like, for instance, my husband uh, went for a run this morning and then went and, uh, you know, got the car washed and did some errands and like kind of had his own time. And he was like, OK, this afternoon, like you'll get your time to kind of do what you want to do. And I was like, great, that sounds awesome. So we kind of hand off, uh, you know, who gets what time when. Um, but as a couple, we also try to make sure uh, and it's I, I think almost every year, at least for the last like five years, I put in my new planner which this year I didn't buy one um but I usually put down like date night uh for you know at least once a month like that's my goal and I think I do really well for the maybe like first six months and then like the latter half of the year which makes sense with the holidays and things like that maybe um and as the summer when the kids are home uh it kind of falls off the wayside and then I, I remember like in January I'm like oh we gotta make a date night so it kind of gets reignited uh, every year, but I know that for us, our relationship, it is important for us to have that time where we get to spend together and we get to just talk. Um, I think that a lot of times our conversations are just logistics, like who's going where and who's doing things. 
And then I think that sometimes, um, you know, then we get to have conversations more about one another. And so that has been the focus um, for us. So I don't know if that answers the question, but that's just some of my two cents. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple of the things that the article talks about, which is um, to find some time for yourself whenever possible, you know, ideally to do nothing um, but relax, but also sometimes running errands by yourself, you know, is a way to sort of recharge a little bit and then putting some together, some hobbies or interests and like the rowing machine and trying to find some time to exercise is important. The other two things that they mentioned is getting enough sleep. I think we all underestimate how important sleep is. And um, I don't know if it's just that uh, now as I get older, I just I'm bombarded with how important sleep is. And um, sleep was always the first thing to go, I think, which is, I think, universal for most people. And then also it talks about eating balanced nutritional meals. And so, you know, I think that it is hard to do that when you are both working outside the home and you're running um, back to the house and trying to put some dinner on the table so you can have some quality time with the kids before it's time for bedtime and the bedtime routine. And so, you know, doing all of that seems there are days that it seems impossible and you just sort of have to get dinner on the fly. But I do think that I think what basically the lesson there is just doing everything in balance as much as possible and to moderation. It does go on to talk about, you know, not. And I think that, um, Alyssa, I only have one child. And so I, I thought it was hard enough for me, but I don't know. I think one of the greatest challenges I know with families that have more than, you know, two or, you know, one or two kids is being able to give every child one activity per season or how not to ignore one child's interest when you've got other children. How do you manage that in your house so that you guys don't get overwhelmed with, you know, two or three different sets of activities um, each week because you have more than one or two kids? Is there like a formula you guys use? I think you've alluded to it before, but I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not sure if we have necessarily a formula as much as we just are real conscious about how we set up activities. And so the kids are allowed to pick one activity per season. And luckily, I don't know, I, I guess <laughs> somehow it worked out last fall that um, my uh, my son and my daughter both had, uh, he had t-ball and she had softball, but they actually aligned so they were playing on the same field uh, or they was playing at the same park on two different fields. And so it just happened to fall that way a couple of times throughout the season. Um, and then other times they were at different times in the day. So we go from one game to the next. But luckily they never, I didn't have to ever be in two places at the same time, which was nice. Um, but we just kind of make sure that how we're scheduling it is that, okay, you know, my daughter's in dance right now and my or my son is in Boy Scouts and they're on two different days of the week. And so uh, like this upcoming week is a very busy week because we have one thing every night. But it's luckily, again, not like an overlap of things where we're going to do two different places at the same time. So it makes for a kind of a, a busy schedule in that regard because we have to, I know that every evening this week is booked, but, you know, then we tend to make sure that the weekends are kind of clear and that we're not doing things so that we can have downtime. I really try to consciously build that into our schedule so that we don't have as much kind of back and forth um, so that each of them has their own things that they do. Uh, but I think that, again, it's about making sure that our schedules are not overpacked or we're not overbooked 
to the point where that adds more stress to our family and to my relationship with my husband. Because I think if I were running around on the weekends too, we would never have downtime and we wouldn't really be able to balance it um, very well. So that's that's my two cents of how we do it. I don't know if it's a formula or if it's the best way, but I know that it works for us and we kind of are able to maneuver through it. Yeah. And I think you hit upon something um, that this article also talks about, which is really about picking and choosing what you do uh, based on the quality of the memories that it creates, not just keeping up a calendar full of busy work, but what are the things that you're going to remember? And so um, a lot of a lot of articles and research about happiness talk about a very similar idea. You know, when people look at what makes them happy, they're usually experiences that make them happy, not tangible items that you can buy or um, things like that, which I think a lot of people do think makes them happy. You know, jewelry, cars, a big house, you know, material things. But there's a lot of recent research, research that said happiness is really about experiences. And that's what you're really talking about is what are the memories that your kids are going to remember when they grow older? And what are the things that are going to shape their childhood that maybe they'll want to emulate when they have children and their sense of family that you passed on to them? And I know that's very important for you and your family based on what you've mentioned in the past about the way both you and your husband were raised in your individual families and not how you blended that together. Would, would you say that's true? That's what you're, uh, you're also talking about? Can you repeat it? Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, just the fact that, you know, you're picking and choosing activities that are um, creating memories for you and your kids not just doing things to fill up your calendar. Yeah, I, I definitely think that we're we're picking. I mean, I don't know that it's a conscious effort to create specific memories, but I definitely think that we're trying to build kind of their foundation through, um, I mean, we're a big, you know, sports family. And so like trying out different sports, but definitely not saying like they have to do anything they don't want to do because we want them to enjoy it. So like my daughter just got into dance at the age of eight because she didn't really seem to have much of an interest in the younger age. And I said, well, let's just try, you know, when she's ready, she'll tell us. And she did. She was like, hey, I'd like to start doing dance. I was like, great, I'll sign you up, um, you know. And my son did one season of T-ball and then said, you know, I'm not really feeling it, but I think I'd like to try acting. Okay, great. So, you know, we're definitely kind of exploring different things with them. But right now, I think that it's a matter of, figuring out what's best for them and kind of going from there. Absolutely. I mean, I think it is, uh, you know, it makes me it makes me laugh because I think every parent that I know wants their kids to try a little bit of everything. And it makes me laugh with my own daughter. We tried we've tried like sport after sport, dance, we tried music, we tried choir, we tried all these things. And then as a senior, she sort of discovered something that she loved. And that was like when she was the best that she was ever in terms of competition and in terms of investment. So I just, I don't know why I find it humorous, but I think about all the time we spent like trying different ideas and throwing them out at them. Um, and then she just finds something. And of course she excels at it. And it's like, oh yeah, I should have known she would have gotten there on her own anyway, you know, but as a, yet as a parent, I'm thinking, okay, we tried softball, we tried soccer, we tried volleyball, we tried dance, we tried music. You know, you just sort of like go through your all the ideas and then she found something, fell in love with it and then just did awesome. And so it, it they do lead the way if you 
let them. And, you know, as they get older, they have more input in that. So it's sort of very, very important. Um, but getting right. back to our topic at hand, I mean, I think it is really important for anybody who's got a young child to know that, you know, there might be more times when you're at odds with your partner right now because you are the person who's carrying the bulk of the work when it comes to an infant. But also know that this time will pass. If it's your first child, you have nothing to compare it to. And so please know that you will get your life back. You will feel like an individual, not just, um, you know, the reservoir for this baby and um, tied to this baby forever. You will have your own life, your own identity, your own career, your own individual thoughts and have nothing to do with child rearing. Um, and that this too shall pass. And like Alyssa said, life gets so much better each day because they get older and more independent. And uh, there will be a time where they will uh, really want nothing to do with you. I can guarantee you that. And so enjoy the times where they do want that hug and they do like to cuddle with you and they do hang on every word you say because you're the most important person in their life because that also does change. And so it is really important, um, but it is also significant to carve out time for you and your partner and you and yourself um, because you are an important part of that um, just that that algorithm. If you're not taking care of yourself, then you can't take care of anybody else and you won't be helpful to your partner or to your child. So these are all really important things. They're, they're easier said than done. You have to make a conscious effort to do it. And I will say that looking back, now that my daughter is on her own and out of the house, I definitely enjoyed the empty nest period of my life. Um, I, I, I was a very active parent tried to do a lot of different things, but there it does get better and they land and they're launched and now you get your life back. And the one thing that I saw in the research, which I think is important to underscore as well, is that marriages that get to the empty nest without getting divorced or separated are people who work at that relationship. So a lot of parents, unfortunately, um, cave into the pressure of these issues because it, it does get very difficult if you don't follow some of these best practices. And so know that if you, you know, it does take work and you do have to make these things happen so that your partner and you have the ability to be successful in as a family unit. Because otherwise, you know, it, it does get very difficult and can be um, unmanageable from time to time. But you need to have good coping skills in place. Um, Alyssa, do you have anything to say about that before we wrap this up? Yeah, there was just one more thing. And I think you had made mention of it earlier when you were talking about like the factors. And one of them was um, like differences in parenting styles or like kind of viewpoints on parenting. I think that that's, again, it probably would have been good to have like a conversation early on. Um, but I will say that now, uh, so about eight, almost nine years into parenting, um, my husband and I are finally kind of finding our parenting style together. It, it's, it diverged and come back and we're kind of looking for different ways that make sense to us. And I, I know that we've talked about parenting um, in past episodes, so not to get into that discussion all over again, but just to say that if you are struggling with that as well, like you want to parent a certain way or you have ideal of like how you want to be as a like to show up as a parent and maybe your partner has a different viewpoint that's kind of part of that um, exploration is to figure out what works for both of you and maybe you know you have 
good cop, bad cop type deal situation where, you know, you both kind of come in um, in different ways. Um, but I, I think that that is an evolution as well. And so if you are getting to that point where, you know, it's it's stressful and it's difficult, I would encourage you to, again, recognize that you're not alone. Um, it took us almost nine years and we're still working at figuring out what works best for us in parenting our children. Um, I think that it's an evolution, something that uh, just kind of you work through and, and you're constantly changing as you're um, getting more acclimated to being a parent. So I would just encourage people that if you are very early in the parenting um, realm to recognize that that's that is something that's not going to just come overnight. You're not just going to be the perfect parent or the perfect kind of, um, you know, partner in that in that parenthood uh, right off the bat. It's something that you kind of work at, just like you were saying, you kind of work at it and, and you kind of go from there. Yeah. And I will also say uh, after watching my brothers have multiple children that also the the additional complexity is, is that what works with one child doesn't work with every child. So there is no cookie cutter parenting book that you're going to get um, that is going to cover all the children you have from now um, till the end of your your child rearing years. Um, and that's what makes it such a dynamic process is that, you know, you and your partner are co-parenting. Your your uh, eldest, middle and youngest will have their own personalities, maybe due to birth order, maybe not, definitely due to their personalities. And there are going to be as um, Melissa and I both have said, you know, um, some of the kids are very easygoing and compliant and follow all the rules. And there are some that are very active. And, um, you know, sometimes I would joke around. Um, my child had the attention span of a gnat from time to time and nothing would stay in there. and would just sort of, you know, like fly away. And so there's a lot of things that you have to try. And it's not a failure um, as a parent or, you know, you can't condemn yourself that way. It just is. Um, and every day is different. The gender of your child is different. What age they are is, is going to make a difference. Hormones are going to make a difference. There's just so many different factors that come in and out. Every single day is different. And it's the magic of parenting. And it is also the burden of parenting. But at the end, you get this beautiful um outcome of a child who is uniquely themselves and a co-creation between you and your partner. And it's a beautiful thing um, when you look back at it. So I think we can sign off for now. This is Joji and Alyssa Marie from The Deconstructed Woman. We had a great conversation about um, uh, children and uh, how they could add to the dissatisfaction or how they do add to the dissatisfaction of marriages and how to overcome that in your relationship with your partner. Um, as always, we'd love to hear your feedback. Please email us at thedeconstructedwoman at gmail.com or um, through our podcasters platform to give us any feedback you'd like to. We also have a Facebook page uh, under the Deconstructed Woman community podcast page. So please reach out to us. We want to hear um, everything that you have to say. And uh, we're always looking for suggestions for the next topic. So until next time, this is Joji and Alyssa saying goodbye for today. Thank you for listening to our podcast, The Deconstructed Woman. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends, rate this episode, or subscribe to be notified of all new content. We want to hear from you, our listener. Do you have thoughts on the discussions we're having? 
want to share topic suggestions, or want to join us for a topic that you're passionate about, contact us at our email address, thedeconstructedwoman at gmail.com. Thank you.